Welcome to Woolcast, the podcast about farmers, fibers, and folks. Today we chat with Juliet of Link Farm at Southbrook, located in Niagara on the Lake. Her and her husband Martin have been stewards at the farm for the past three years. They're raising a flock of sheep that graze in the vineyard and hayfields, and free-range pigs that roam around 15-acre forests. You can find Juliet on Saturdays at St. Catherine's Farmer's Market, or visit them at their farm by appointment. This conversation was recorded during filming of our short documentary, Field to Fashion. We are set up in Juliet's barn among many curious sheep and their newborn lambs. The animals wanted to be a part of the conversation, and I'm sure you'll hear them many times during our chat. Without further ado, here's Juliet. Let's start with introduction and uh, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure. So I'm Juliet Orizetti with my husband, Martin. We run Link Farm at Southbrook. Our main business is lamb, uh, but we believe that sheep should be valued for all the, all the wonderful things they can provide. And so we also have a strong uh, wool program here as well. Lots of nice dual purpose sheep here. Can you tell me how you got into farming? What What's the background, sir? Was it always, were you exposed to it as a child? Or one day you just woke up and decided to be a farmer? <laughs> well, I guess animal agriculture sort of skipped a generation uh, for Martin and myself. Uh, my, my mom's parents were cattle farmers out in BC, and Martin's parents were dairy farmers in Austria. I always had horses growing up uh, and wanted to go to vet school. And then I realized uh, at the 11th hour that I probably just wanted to deal with healthy animals <laughs> rather than dealing with sick ones all the time and nasty owners. So I uh, decided to, do, um, to try and get into agriculture in some way. So I, I did a master's in livestock breeding and genetics. By the time I'd finished, it was sort of perfect timing and Southbrook offered that we could take over the farm here. Yeah, so we've been running it full-time for the last two and a half years. This is our third lambing here. And although I was I was here before Martin was, so I developed the sheep breeding program here and bought the sheep and got everything set up nine years ago. At first, I was just here in the summers. And uh, over, yeah, over, when I did my master's, I, I was gone for the full two years. But uh, ever since I've been back, it's been full-time. But so, yeah. We've got a long history, me and my girls. <laughs> yeah. Can you walk us through how wool works? Like, when do you shear the sheep? How long does it grow? Or anything that has to do with wool. Wool is a very varied thing. So, you know, there's everything from hair sheep to wool sheep, right? And, it's, and all the different qualities in between. So the sheep that we have here... We love to have high-quality wool, but it's not the be-all and end-all. So we have a, a quite a wide variety of types of wool. I don't really have any coarse wool sheep. They're all they're all medium to fine wool, but wool can be very coarse. You know, it's typically used for carpets. And then the wool that we have here, it's multi-purpose wool. So the but the finer it is, the softer it is. We're aiming for finer wool. To do that, we've brought in more wool genetics into the flock. We have a Rambouillet ram, a Finn Gotland ram, and we'll be bringing in a purebred Finn this year. So, uh, yeah, so wool is great. Um, sheep are also very adaptable, so you can shear them different times of the year. 
And various sheep will grow different amounts of wool. So some sheep should be shorn twice a year. And other sheep can go every two years even. So our sheep, the vast majority of them, we shear once a year in the spring before lambing. Uh, so that's uh, when, they, when they're, they least need their wool. That means that they're clean by the time that they're going to have their babies. So that's a, a really important thing, that the ewes are clean because once those babies are born, they put everything in their mouths. And if mom's got poop on her, around her udder, then it uh, doesn't make for healthy lambs. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so we shear before lambing. Some people shear after lambing, but this is just work, what works for us. What kind of breeds of sheep do you have? So we have a bit of a mix here. Uh, when we first started the flock, they were purebred Rambouillet, or so I was told and purebred Newfoundland, and uh, we've added in some different genetics. So some of our sheep have some Dorset in them, some have Finn in them, like this lovely girl here, uh, and some have Gotland. The breeds that we prefer are, well, our, our ideal sheep is a Rambouillet Finn cross, uh, but the Newfoundlands add a lot of character. They all have a lovely temperament, and, but they're very hardy as well, so we really like that. But the most important thing that we're doing right now is breeding for short tails. So the Finn and Gotlands are really important for that because the whole breed has naturally short and typically woolless tails. That means that we can eliminate tail docking. You might notice some of our sheep do have their tails docked. They're from an earlier era. We did experiment with it and just found that it wasn't worth the pain and the worry. And it's even better if, if we don't have to worry about a dirty tail. So... We're going for the short ones like Barbara here has. She probably won't show you her bum. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's uh, that's the breeds we've got. When you're breeding your sheep, what uh, properties do you look for? Well, first and foremost in our ewes, they have to be good mothers. So the first year that a ewe lamb has her lambs, those babies automatically are not candidates to join the flock. We always want to see how the first lambs grow and how she mothers them. And then <laughs> once, uh, once the first crop is, is, is established, then we can, we can sort of see how good a mother she is. So she has to be a good mother. So that means having at least two lambs. Because a sheep has two teats, she can easily feed two lambs. So we always want twins. Besides that, she has to love her babies. So be a good mother right from the get-go. No rejecting lambs. That's not acceptable. And, uh, and she should be very attentive to her lambs. So people often will say that a sheep can't count very well. Our sheep need to be able to count to at least three. And uh, sometimes they've got quadruplets, so then we like to, them to be able to count to four. And then, you know, sort of the, the next most important thing is the, their confirmation. So they should be a good, healthy, sturdy sheep. And uh, maybe surprisingly to some people, the wool comes sort of lower down the list. So if she's a good mother and she's got crappy wool, we'll still keep her. Uh, we've got a couple of those running around. <laughs> but all wool has a use. Not all wool is as highly valuable as, as the other, but that's okay. It's always got a use. So a good mother is a good mother. What do you do with your wool that you do receive from the sheep that is a, of a nicer quality? Right. So the, the highest quality fleeces uh, typically are sold the day they're shorn. People will come and choose which one they like. Sometimes people come and even pick which sheep they like, and they'll look at it while it's still on the sheep and say, I want that one. But other than that, they, they'll be sold as raw fleeces, so fresh off the sheep, essentially. 
And then the rest, whatever doesn't sell that way, will go to the mill. And either it'll be turned into roving if it's a very high quality, or it'll be turned into yarn. And uh, the poorer quality wool we use for making dryer balls or compost, <laughs> you know, mulch, that sort of thing. Yeah. Do you find that the uh, fiber community is uh, being more receptive to buying fleeces? Like, is, did you see any resurgence in that? It's hard to say because when when we when I first started with sheep, we weren't taking much care with the wool, although there was always interest. I just wasn't always the highest quality, but uh, in the last three years, there's been a huge demand for it. Um, and uh, it's, I mean, it's great to see that people are taking an interest in where their, where their clothing is coming from and you know, how it's being made. We figure that's something to be encouraged. <laughs> We're all about local and sustainable. And uh, you know, it, it, that doesn't just mean food. So yeah, the interest is definitely growing. Um, I know you're in the lab right now what does it entail in itself because i'm sure lots of people have no idea what's going on during lambing well there's lots of different ways that lambs are are born essentially there's different systems in our system it tends to be fairly low maintenance but not the lowest maintenance so even though we are having lots of triplets and we've had two sets of quadruplets this year our mums are all really good so these, all the lambs that we've had so far, I think we've had 25 or so, so far, they've all been born naturally, so unassisted, and, you know, they're all up and nursing usually before we get here. But we do come and check in the middle of the night to make sure that everyone's in the barn, for example. And uh, with the young mothers, sometimes they do silly things like go out and lay in the mud to have their baby or go outside when it's cold. Uh, so we do, you know, come and make sure that everyone's good. When the lamb is born, usually they go to the back of the barn where it's safest. The dogs will hang out by the door and make sure that everyone is safe inside. And then the mom will stay there until we find her. And then we put her in one of these pens here along the side. And typically she stays in the lambing pen for one day per lamb. So if she had one lamb, she's in there for one day, two lambs, two days, so on and so forth. Depends sometimes on the lamb and sometimes on the ewe. The ewe might need a little more experience mothering and so she'll stay in a bit longer or the lambs might be a little bit weaker and so they'll stay in a bit longer just to get a, a better start at life. And then once they're, once they're old enough and the pasture's grown, then they head out to pasture and that's it. They never come back in. And your barn doors, they're always open? Yeah. For sheep, really good air quality is extremely important. Sheep typically don't do well in a barn. The more air they get, the better. And uh, like our sheep are never locked inside, but they're spoiled princesses, so they tend to stay inside <laughs> where the food is anyway. Um, next year, actually, or in the next couple of years at least, uh, we'll move our feeding to outside and they'll get even more fresh air, whether they like it or not. But yeah, the barn is, the barn is a good place to be born. So we always want them to be inside uh, where it's warm and dry, <laughs> less drafty. Do you have any interesting stories or anything unusual that happens <laughs> in a, at a farm, you know? Cause oh, man. There's so many stories, probably. There's something crazy that happens every day, I'd say. <laughs> no, oh, I can. I, I remember when Peppy here, she's right behind me with her triplets right now. Uh, the first year we had, or the second year we had sheep, Peppy decided to have quadruplets out in the middle of a stand of trees back there. That was exciting. There's always... There's always something that goes on. Last year we had twins that were born and one of those silly lambs 
decided to climb behind a feeder. I don't know how he snuck back there. Couldn't find him for two for two hours, not two days. <laughs> um, and then, of course, when we found him, put him back with his mom, and she's like, "I don't remember this lamb." <laughs> that was that was a bit of a fight. We got her to take him back, though. <laughs> but yeah, no lambs do tend to get stuck in funny places. We've had a few that have gone under walls and behind walls, and we're always patching up holes. It seems. Yeah, I don't know. Other than that, I mean, you know, animals are always funny and especially when you have multiple species together, it's you're always got funny things going on. So our dogs, especially Quiz, she's uh she's super maternal with the lambs. And uh but my horse is well, my older mare, she's the all of these sheep are her babies. So the first ones that were born this year, they went outside after a few days and, and Beauty realized, Oh my goodness, there's babies. She started following them. And she's always so careful with her feet. But I picked one up for her, and uh, she gave it a big sniff and let out this deep wicker, like, oh, you're a baby. Can I keep you? <laughs> yeah, she, she's adopted full-grown sheep, too. We had one ewe last year who um, <laughs> she didn't want to leave with the rest of the sheep. She couldn't figure out how to get through the gate, it seemed. So we didn't want to fight with her. We just left her here with the horses. And uh, it was a few weeks before we we managed to get her out. But when we finally did, the, oh man, that silly horse, she she thought, no, this is my baby. She's standing right over her, protecting her. She's like looking back there, why aren't you nursing? You're the right size to be a foal. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, animals are always entertaining. Hey, quiz, always entertaining. <laughs> Going back to um, wool and fiber. Do you know any of the history or how the um, because I know that we had a lot of wool production in Canada mm. and in Ontario, right? And then it kind of all went away. You know, I don't know the specifics of why things went down in Canada. I suspect it has to do with cost of production. When China started interacting with the rest of the world, all the Australian and New Zealand wool started heading across to China, where it's processed extremely cheaply. And the way things work there, it sort of works because for, for those big, huge ranches down south, they don't need to earn much from their wool. Sheep farmers in Canada, uh, I guess wool used to be a more valuable product for them, but as the cost that they were paid for it went down, it became less valuable. And uh, as the value went down, then you know the mills closed and we couldn't manufacture on a competitive level with China. So uh, I suspect that that's... The biggest reason, of course, there's always, you know, trends in technology, right? So with the rise of cheap synthetic fibers, that doesn't help, right? Uh, luckily, things are moving in the other direction now, back to where they should be. <laughs> and I know that you make, so you make yarn out of your wool. Was it used for weaving as well? I know some people have woven with it. Yeah, this year, two of the teams at the Royal Winter Fair used our yarn for their sheep to shawl competition. Other than that, I, I couldn't swear to, to what it was used for. <laughs> a lot of the wool that we did last year, at least, being in Niagara-on-the-Lake, or in, definitely in a tourism community, lots of it went, you know, one ball at a time off to different places in the world. And it's nice to know that we're making our mark that way. <laughs> and just to wrap it up, if people would like to get in touch with you, how can they find you? Email. Email is always the best because... Sometimes I've got my hands full. So uh, www.linkfarm.com, L-I-N-C, like Lincoln. And uh, 
I promise I'll try and get back to anyone within at least a few days. <laughs> and you have a wonderful Instagram account that people can follow. This is true. Social media is, it's fun. I got lots of photogenic babies to keep everyone entertained. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That was, uh, that was awesome. It was great to have you here. Thank you. <laughs> I am so grateful to Juliet for our conversation. I hope you enjoyed it and learned something new. If you would like to connect with Link Farm, you can find all the information in the show notes on our website, woolgill.com, under podcasts. Juliet shares fantastic images of her animals and farm life through her social media. They are sure to cheer up any gloomy day. As always, if you have any suggestions for our future episodes or would like to get in touch, you can always reach us at Wool Guild on Facebook and Instagram or through our website. Thank you for spending your time with us.